Welcome to Monkey and Frank. My name is Doe and my body's Dom. And today I have a guest with me. It's my soul brother, Mo. And he just launched his first podcast called The Third Point of View. And welcome to the Insanity, Mo. How's it going? Thank you very much for having me. I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. So I listened to your first podcast. It's crazy because that's the story that I wanted you to talk about in this podcast. I wanted to hear about your awakening. You are the youngest person that I know that had a full-blown awakening. How old were you when that happened? I was 18 at the time. Nice. You mind sharing your story? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so this was around June of 2020. Um, it was my first time trying LSD. And I, I had just laid down on the grass. And at that point, um, meditation to me was, I was aware that it was just like, you close your eyes and you focus on the breath. But the terminology behind it, to me, wasn't very clear. Like I didn't know that it was an action of, of being present. And, uh, and being conscious of my own presence in that sense. But however, I was under, uh, under the influence of the LSD. So I did it anyways. And um, I closed my eyes and began to breathe. And I was in a very timeless like, state of mind. So that could have been five minutes. It could have been 20 minutes. The, the difference was unclear to me. Um, and so when I opened my eyes, um, I had completely lost my... Uh, my sense of self there was no more like mo and the one that goes to school with his family and lives and lives in his house like all of that essentially my, my life what my mind had claimed as my identity was no longer and i was simply just my own awareness and yeah it, it it's only coming becoming clear to me now like how valuable that experience was because I was fully able to detach from my own identity and look at it from a perspective of just my own being, uh, which is my awareness. How much did you take? Like how much LSD to be able to um, bring experience? It was maybe like a 200 UG tab. Whoa, that's yeah. pretty good. And so when you took the LSD, you just woke up Mo was gone. And did you feel any fear? Because if I would have been in your shoes, I mean, if a lot of people would be in your shoes, I'm sure they would be like, holy shit, this is scary as fuck. Like, what the fuck is going on? But you took it like a champ. You know, I was not scared at all. Um, like, I, I, was, I was lying on the grass. So the, my first thing I saw when I opened my eyes was just the blue sky and the clouds. And to me, like, I, I'm, I'm not here anymore. I'm dead. I'm somewhere else. And, but there was no fear behind it. It was just, oh, that what I was is no longer. Now I'm just this. And how long did that last? It like did you started wandering about? Did you see any of your friends? Yeah, it it started to feel like that for a little bit. But after I got up and realized, like, okay, some of my my friend is here, and like I remembered where I was. Yeah, it came back to me. But, right. Yeah. That is sick, man. Because I tell you, the first time I met you and you told me about that story, I mean, personally, I've mm -hmm. never had a de-association de uh, thing like that that ever happened to me. But I hear it all the time, right? If somebody has a big accident or they go through a big trauma, the brain has this ability to just separate what the fuck has just happened and allows you to you know, heal, but like even forget what just happened. But you woke up, you deassociated, you had the experience of not being your body. And when you were outside, what was your feeling that like, did you feel like you were more? Did you feel like you were part of the universe? Or was it just, you didn't know who you were, your body is not you? How did that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I felt like, well, I, in, in the moment, I didn't know how to describe it. But if I were to describe it now, I felt like I was simply like the, um, the uniting force that every human carries within them, which is just like the awareness of oneself and one's mind. That's exactly like, that's as perfect as I can, I can describe it. 
That is amazing. And before that, how was your relationship with death? Did you have any fear about death? Where were you in your life when it came to mortality? Well, death to me was was very linked to like the afterlife. Like growing up, like my family is is Muslim across the entire family tree. Like very very Muslim. So right. uh, it's a very heaven or hell centric belief. Um, the afterlife. So obviously, as a kid, like it was a very it was like almost like a tally system. It's like. You do this, you do this, you do this, you go to heaven. You don't do it, it's it's hell. Like and and that did like stir fear into me as a child. But as I grew up, um, it's not to say that um, God does not does no longer play a role in my life. Like obviously there is, I I'm in full belief of a higher power. Um, right. But you know, death before it it was never. It was seen as a, a continuation where like you die and the belief was that this, my myself now is what goes to heaven and gets judged uh, based on my actions on earth and et cetera. But I, in terms of now, I don't see it like that very much. I see it as whatever, whatever is in me, like the, the energy on a quantum level, whatever is in me will transfer or go elsewhere to the higher level or whatever that may be. That's crazy. I've never tell you the truth, man. I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to religion, especially uh, the Muslim. I never had a, a friend or anybody that it, uh, explained it more in detail, but so they believe almost like Christianity. Then Muslim is just with Allah instead of God or, yeah. and, mm -hmm. but the hell does exist uh, in the Muslim. Yeah. Muslim world. That's crazy. Yes. And the other main difference is that uh, in, in Islam, we believe that God um, has not been born and does not give birth. So in that sense, it would be hypocritical. Well, not hypocritical, but in Christianity, they believe that Jesus is the son of God. We don't believe that. We believe he's just a, a prophet, like a very, a very crucial prophet in the book. Yeah. And now that you've experienced psychedelics and that you've gone further, are you under the belief that like almost not that we are the son of God, like uh, literally, but that our soul is like created in the image of God kind of thing. And it's based on a system of love or what do you, what do you believe like your soul? Oh yeah. Most definitely like the most, like the most essential form of our existence individually is a an awareness of just love and knowing that is so cool because i was listening to your podcast and you are going as deep in the insanity world as i am like you are not your body you are not your mind you are not your thoughts and since you've well i don't know how long you really came to grip with that mm. but since you've came to grip with that how is how is your internal monologue as it Has it been quieting down more and more? Uh, how does it work now that you know that you are not your thoughts? My in internal monologue now is more... So I'm, I'm able to separate. Like, let's say, for example, like um, a friend of mine upsets me. I'm able to like just relax and sit there and watch those emotions run through me. But my internal monologue, as in me to me, I've learned yeah. to grow more of a friendship with it. As in like, for example, when a thought comes up, I talk to myself, like, it's okay, like relax, like it's fine. And I remember um, like certain, I, I'm, I'm reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and it's like super, super helpful. So when, when situations like that arise, I'll always think back to like a quote that I like highlighted in that book or just something to keep me and me in line with where I want to be mentally. That is so cool. Because the, the thing that's catching me lately is my internal monologue is almost gone. Like it, there is, it's so quiet inside of my mind. But when my children do chaotic thing around the house, for whatever reason, the anger still boils up inside from a place mm. that I have no idea from, right? It's not coming from my thoughts. It's not coming. It's really coming from the center of my body as if my body does not like loud noises or does not like 
chaos. And I'm trying to, to grapple with that idea because it's at the beginning when I lost my thoughts, it was so blissful until I got used to it. And then everything became normal and the anger and the, the feelings just became more and more intense because that's the only thing that was in my awareness. And as they became more intense, I kind of realized like, hey, my body deserves me to, to witness it, right? It wants to be witnessed and it wants to be witnessed fully. So every time that I eat bad food and I feel shitty, it's like, yeah, I, I did that kind of on, not on purpose, but I did that and I see it fully and I'm able to accept it. But when it comes to chaos, it seems to come out of nowhere and it still catches me. Do you, do you, do you, do you experience that or you're just a, a very oh, Absolutely. Person? Yeah. Yeah. Like my, my, my little brother comes home, starts yelling instantly or like my little siblings. Well, well I'll be sitting in the basement, right? Like that's where like I have like my gaming set up, my computer. And right. so the, the footsteps above me are extremely loud. So when they're running around the house and stuff, I like it is almost out of my hands, completely out of my control. My whole body boils and I scream I'm like, shut up, stop yelling. And it's it's so unexplainable. I hear you 100 percent. And I'm still trying to to grapple with that. That is so cool, man. Mo, I have to tell you, I'm so impressed. You're the one that really, you know, brought me to meditation and to really have you uh, been doing a lot of meditation lately? Um, as of recently, I, I find it very difficult to do it at home. It's just because like, it, it's mainly noisy at the times where I want to do them. Um, but as the weather's been getting better, I've been doing them more outside. I find that outside is like my ideal space to meditate because like the natural sounds around me kind of act as like a like a background noise to sort of help me get in my zone. So like the trees rustling, some birds tweeting, that that helps. But when I'm just like in a quiet house or like when there's people, knowing that like there's footsteps and like movements around the kitchen above me and stuff like that, I can't really focus. But I haven't, I haven't been meditating like earlier this year, but I've been picking it up lately for sure. Ah, it's amazing, man. I'm so, I'm so happy like to be uh, going back and meditating with you, man. Because I tell you, those this last summer when we uh, did the meditation, there were so many beautiful experiences where, oh man, like have you experienced uh, other types of awakening since your experience when you were 18? Um, well, mainly the psychedelic induced, but um, as of lately, it's been, like like I said, like I've been finding more ways to um, to actually put more terminology and knowledge into my current experiences so for example my lsd dissociation experience i didn't know that i could describe that as my awareness and my 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 true consciousness but after like after a while of like watching and listening to different podcasts and reading books i'm able to like um identify my consciousness and my mind and myself and my ego and I'm able to identify them in experiences on psychedelics that I've had. Did you ever experience a bad trip? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, wait, tell me about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this was, uh, this was uh, November. Um, I, I had taken the shrooms. I, don't, I remember I briefly told you about this. How much, how much did you um, take? And I took maybe like three grams yeah all right it, it was a pretty it was it was just on the on the bridge of self-control and complete <laughs> like loss of self into the trip um tell me and so i i t- i'd taken it and so i went out I, i'd smoked like on the come up to like calm down but it's just something i did even on like my lsd trips like i would weed was a a ritual right on the psychedelic trip um but so i i came home after all that i took my uh took my skateboard around you know tried to keep it mellow and light and just fun like it should be (laughs) and then (laughs) like it should be that's a that's a harsh statement but continue (laughs) it was definitely not fun but it was it was necessary so i came home and i at that point 
in November of 2020, I had been pretty behind on school. I feel like I had trouble letting go of the summer. Like I was still living my life, like going out every day, smoking and stuff. Um, I came home and I, I completely went crazy. Like it hit me, like the situation that I was in. It's like I almost like woke up to my own situation. It's like I'm on this earth. And I'm doing this and I, and I have schoolwork and I'm not doing it. Like I realized like the depth of the situation and I panicked and I called my parents, which is the worst <laughs> thing you can do ever on a trip. I called my parents up to my room and I'm crying. I'm like, guys, like I'm not doing good in school and I don't want to be in this program and blah, blah, blah. But that ended up resulting in, in more good. Like my, my only regret in that situation was that Everything that my parents helped me solve after that onwards, I could have done myself without the whole panic and, and crying in front of them. That, but in the end, it still worked out, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that. But that was definitely, like, I was spiraling, and it was like, like when I cry, it, it's a very quiet and, like, just, you know, the tears fall, I get over it, walk away. That one was like, I was shaking, I was panicking, it was complete complete downward spiral yeah sometimes those trips they're like you say they're so meant to be but they're so painful and especially on three grams yeah i remember telling me you went to look at your kind of your schoolwork on the mushroom which is again not recommending if you're gonna do set and setting schoolwork i don't think is a good idea to to confront but it felt like it's exactly what you needed Because I remember you were telling yeah. me after the point, you were like, uh, you know, next day started doing all my work. And I think you got clean of cannabis too, not too long after too, right? Mm -hmm. right. Mm, yeah. So yeah, I was with my one of my friends. Like, we both decided um, to quit vaping, weed and all that stuff. We went cold turkey, signed up for the gym and like it, it, it was running pretty well. Um, obviously I had my few moments of going back, like for example, Christmas break and new year's, like we, we met up and stuff, but for 90% of the time, I don't smoke anymore. And it, it, it was because I, re I did rely on it as an escape. Like I would wake up and look forward to the smoke session and like, I would, um, I would use it to like get out of a, a bad state of mind when, like the real solution is to not have that temporary fix It's to just live through it and, and fix whatever needs to be rather than just put a temporary bandaid on it. Right. It's like uh, avoiding everything that is stressful and not putting in the effort. That's the, um, I don't know if I told mm -hmm. you about that, but I'll share. I took a three, three point something gram. No, actually I took 5.5 grams of the mushrooms that I grew, the little tiny mushrooms, the golden teacher. And I was doing it here mm -hmm. alone with, uh, and my wife was just upstairs. And I decided to do it during the day because I wanted to, you know, doing it at night and you go to bed at five o'clock. It's, it's crazy. I get tired for a couple of days. Yeah. It keeps you yeah. up. So I take those mushrooms and I realized same thing as you, you know, I was uh, smoking cannabis every day from morning to night and right away the mushroom the entire world, the entire world of the mushroom, it was as if there was a thousand spirits that just turned around, pointed the finger at me and said, I'm disappointed in you. You're not putting an effort in your life. You should be ashamed of yourself. So for six hours, I had the feeling of like a thousand point, the spirits pointing at the, the finger at me saying, you are not putting enough effort in your life. And it was insane. I cried. I, at one point, I couldn't even cry because the shame was so high that it's not like I was sad. I was shame. Like It was a full consuming shame experience that just lasted for six hours. It was the worst trip of my life. But the next day when I woke up, I realized like, okay, what the mushroom was telling me is just putting in an effort in everything that you do Even if it's like the idea of effort, like if uh, I'm eating a broccoli instead of eating the, the chocolate bar or uh, doing a little bit of work instead of going and listening to, I don't know, some YouTube video or TV or whatever. And now that I've been clean for almost two weeks of cannabis, it was, it's a big wake up call at the idea that one, 
cannabis has this bad tendency if you abuse it of just consuming you and making you kind of lazy to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you believe uh, in spirits? Like, do you believe that the cannabis spirit or the mushroom, you know, they have kind of their own thing, their own intentions, their own uh, feelings, almost like uh, archetypes? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I speaking from like experience like from like the summer when I like first started like smoking again and all that like it was very enjoyable like I was like I was like happy I was vibing but towards the end of it it was it 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 was still a necessity like I still did it every day but like I, I would do it with friends but it would do the complete opposite of make everything better like before we smoked I would be in the car together and I'd be like, I'd be happy, lively, talking, asking how everyone is. The second I, I, I smoke it, I am like anxious and super hypersensitive of myself and what others are thinking of me. And I'm very like critically observant of others too. Like I'll look at people and be like, like, like I judge them in a sense like where I wouldn't normally. Like I'm judging very, very like peculiar and like minuscule details that I shouldn't be it, it did create like a like it's supposed to be like an anxiety helping type of type of medicine but it did the complete opposite it put unwanted dialogue in me um and I, I do believe that it, it tells you when it's 100% or it tells you if it's if you abused it and it's like buddy like you gotta slow yeah. down and if you don't listen it's just gonna bring you down and really kind of continue the downward spiral until you know you can't take it anymore and you do something about it freaking go depress so then what now that you have it under control when you smoked at uh, christmas and new year's the experience must have been amazing yeah it was like the tolerance had been reset and it was just like like you know it's typical teenager smoking you know get super baked go back inside (laughs) eat like you know, like it was like more fun like that rather than like a than a a tool. That that's another thing too is um I have a deeper appreciation for like these substances as right. tools and guidance rather than just uh oh I'm bored, let me smoke and sit and eat and watch videos and play video you, games. You it, in that sense it's you are just deter- deteriorating yourself. A hundred percent. Yeah, I was noticing that that was my mistake. I was using it in boredom instead of, and now that it's out, like the productivity in my life is so insane. Like it's so amazing. In a way, it's not like I'm enjoying myself, you know, cleaning the house, but there's something about it. Like I'm putting an effort in my life and it feels like I'm building up this energy and it's actually going forward instead of just being stale. Like when I would smoke up and do some cleaning and kind of putting an effort, it felt like the energy was not going anywhere. Like as if the the spirit of the cannabis was consuming it all instead of generating like a an energy that goes forward. Did mm-hmm. you, uh, in your past, did you ever lose somebody that was really close to you? Yeah. Um none like I, I when i was super super young like just under a, right. one year old um I, I lost my grand my grandfather which is my my father's dad but i didn't have any like losses that severely impacted me. and did no. you ever have dreams of your grandfather coming in to visit not yet no. Okay. No. so yeah that's something that uh i'm curious about hey man you're what you're 20 years old and you still haven't experienced uh, a, a deep death i'm guessing now with all your knowledge is it's going to be an interesting journey to go through that it's like the knowing that there is something after and that you know chances are there is no hell like uh, did you ever listen to near death experience on uh, youtube or something like that no but i know dmt is very much like a near-death well, experience the near-death experiences that i've been uh, watching lately they always say the same thing it's always like you get out of your body you notice that you're dead you're seeing your body either you feel bad or you don't it's wherever you're at in your life and your awakening 
and then you go towards the white light. And as soon as you get on the other side, you've got this immense love of God, Allah, Krishna, or you name it, that is there to support you. And then mm. a lot of them, they talk about their shame or their frustration and God is, or whatever, is always, the love is always there supporting all of their feelings, no matter what they are. And everybody goes through the process of starting to deassociate, right? Not remembering who you were and slowly. And at the same time, it's filling up all of the fears, frustration, shame that you have with love and making you whole again and making you feel like uh, you're back home. And that to me is so freaking inspiring because testimony after testimony after testimony, they all talk about that. And as I'm going through this journey, I'm thinking to myself, you know, like, oh man, like what would be the worst situation in my life, right? What it would be kind of losing my children, probably. Like, let's say I would lose a child. Even though we have this awakening, we have this knowledge, we have all the wisdom in the world, the pain and the suffering that would come from this type of sadness, because sadness is based out of love. And the more love you have for something, the more sad you're going to be. It would still be a, a crazy experience to go through. And since my cousin, I was one to believe when I was younger that you can only ride the wave of awesomeness for so long until something happens where, you know, you're going to have to go through something, you know, that's kind of dark to uh and i don't wish it on anybody else but it's like i'm due for one soon and i'm like knock on wood hopefully it's not gonna come but i'm sure it will it we're all gonna die one day but do you think about that yeah no I, well, the thing is when someone close dies i i know that it's going to be a battle of acceptance and a battle of emotional pain that's that's for sure, but I'll be there for you, man. I don't like <laughs> the thing is, yeah, of course. Oh, thank you so much. But it's what worries me is, for example, like let's say like my father believes in heaven or hell, and like he prays, and that that like his mind is fully into that, like that is his belief, wholeheartedly and whole-mindedly. That is what he believes in. Does that mean? Like, I I wonder if we manifest our own afterlife. That is a very well deep wonder. The near death experiences that I've been listening to, it'd be Matt Fraser too. There's a lot of psychics out there that talk about, and it's crazy how they all say similar things. But more important thing, uh, more importantly, the people that did experience those near death experience, like the the testimonial of people that did die for whatever reason, you know, it'd be whatever they always say the same thing. Like the, the thing that differs between people is who you meet on the other side. So for example, um, one guy who's like a crazy Jesus Christian believer, when he died, when he had this near-death experience and he went on the other side, often you have a, you, well, not often, all of them, they say that you review your life, first of all, right? You review your life. And who you're reviewing your life with, that's where it changes. So uh, this one guy that was super Jesus, he had like it felt like he had Jesus beside him. And then God was on the other side and they were both helping him through the process of um, dying, you know, like uh, processing your entire life, seeing what you've done wrong, seeing what you've done right, seeing all the people that you have affected with love. Uh, all the people that you've affected with anger and you are able to see what they went through and so on and so forth. So when it comes to your father and Allah or whatever, then he would like probably have that, like instead of calling it God, it's all the same, right? When you've got this uh, being of, you know, love and, and for Hinduism, it's Krishna. It's just a, a word in the end. Like in the end, it feels like, extreme love for from what i gather is source is love period and every feeling arises from that love so here uh, in this world there is uh, love and there is everything else which is not so you're talking about like uh, the darkness right the light and the darkness but when you die you go back to the light where 
the dark does not exist. Everything is light, everything is love. So I've got this great feeling that, for example, when your dad dies, he's going to go meet Allah and he's going to, you know, go through the process. Um, now, when it comes to hell, mm -hmm. what they're saying is, especially in Hinduism, is if ever you're really attached to this world and you really have a lot of uh, suffering, of well, suffering, you've got a lot of, uh, how do you call that, disappointment or, uh, anyways, what's that word when you're, ashamed? yeah, regret. regret. So if you have a lot of regret, um, often what they say is that you die and you get reborn right away because you're so attached to your regrets and you're so attached to your suffering that you just get reborn into this life and you relive it again until you get an awakening, until you start uh, trusting in a higher power. Without the trust of the higher power, they say that you can't have that communication with them. So you can't, so as you die, you're not going to be able to go through your life and review your life because you're, you're, you're not believing into this greater power. But again, that's just my opinion. I, I, I believe that when it's your time to, to go back to source, God is going to do it in the most amazing way. There is one uh, experience that touched me uh, when I was listening to those near-death experiences. The woman, when she died, she saw all of her successful things that she's done in her life from her point of view. And she was saying like, oh, when she won the gold medal, when she won this trophy, when she accomplished and she became a doctor and blah, blah, blah. And then God replayed her life and showed her what was important to him in her life. And when she re-reviewed her life, she saw that when she picked up that kid one time, when she kissed her mom, when she didn't really want to, or when she pet that dog and like, you know, like a... And she realized like, oh, it's not the accomplishment or it's not what I know that's important. It's what, you know, the, the stuff that I didn't realize that I did, like a smile at a, at a bum instead of, you know, scowling at them and stuff like that. So if you put yourself in your dad's mm -hmm. shoe, what do you think like he would see from all of his knowledge of uh, the Muslim thing that he's doing? You know, it, well, the belief is that you, you, it's like a book that of your, of your like, right, good deeds. So it's it's essentially yeah. like a concept of karma, where like it's your good deeds and and your bad deeds that sort of like outweigh like how you are because like prayer without being a good prayer without being a good person is like kind of irrelevant. So I feel like from based on like how I see it and how he's taught me it is a matter of like humanity and like Islam and, and, and like your Dean and your, your, your practice. That totally resonates with Definitely. me. Yeah. And Duism says the same thing, man. All religion are pretty much the same. I'm so clueless when it comes to religion. Like seriously, like even the Christian, like I grew up Catholic and I didn't listen. <laughs> like seriously, I didn't pay attention to none of it. Uh, I just thought like, ah, oh, Jesus is a good example, you know, to do no harm, to love your neighbor and blah, blah. I was like, yeah, that's a good dude. Yeah, that's, that's something to look at. But the idea of something after that, after a while, I, for me anyways, growing up, it was, yeah, no, you die, everything's black and that's, that's all. So I'm so happy at 30 years old to kind of yeah. have an experience where it's actually like I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited about that. It's funny because I did a couple of podcasts about that, about like how I'm excited to die and everything. And I didn't uh, explain the context behind it. Uh, you know, if you don't, if you didn't listen to my previous video, and it's funny, somebody contacted my wife is like, is your uh, husband uh, okay? You know, he's talking about dying and being, you know, excited about death and everything like that. And she's coming from a point of view of like depression. And she, my wife comes to me today. She's like, yeah, 
So is everything okay? I heard that you're talking a lot about death in your podcast, and I explained to her, oh, no. <laughs> from the, the point of view of, you know, that there is an afterlife, and I'm going to go meet God, and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, okay, okay, good. I just wanted to make sure I was a little bit concerned, because she doesn't really listen to my shit. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. No, no, it's just insanity. That's it. That's all I've it got is. a brother, soul brother Mo, who's insane with me. It's really cool, man. I, you are the first guy because uh, I listen to your podcast that is really going all out into you are not your mind, you are not your body, and uh, you are the witness of this beautiful freaking illusion that is going on in front of us, and it's so crazy. So, is there anything that you wanted to plug before we leave? Um, well, I, oh, I shoot like that. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. I'm seeing it more and more now that um, I am like my myself is the controller and the observer of this body. It's almost as if I could be in a in a dog, in a cat, in a cow, and it would be the same experience. It's just that me and what I am able to control. But do you feel, sort of well? Do you feel like you have control? Because you know I've mean? been pondering on that, as if free will doesn't really exist. I don't know if you've listened to the latest uh, podcast of uh, Sam Harris. No, no, no. Sam Harris uh, does a really oh, no. strong argument that free will is really an illusion and it does not exist. Like what you're seeing in front of you, or what you're feeling, or what you're thinking is it comes from it comes from the body you have no control over it other than being the witness of it and it really it's really making me think like that's why i was asking you about the anger you know when your brother is making a lot of noise upstairs and you just get this rage that comes up from nowhere mm -hmm. it's like i don't know if if that's avoidable like the more that i think about it the more i'm thinking like I'm actually convincing myself as if I have a choice, as if um, like my, my life is being controlled by me, the observer, like the soul, as if the soul is actually playing a video game and I'm inside my body and I'm controlling it. I'm, I'm starting to get the illusion that maybe it's all an illusion and that everything was already planned. Like, the future, the present, the past does not exist on the other side. You know what I mean? So does that mean that everything is predetermined and I just need to write it out in a way? And even the the letter that um, mother wrote through my buddy Morgan and uh, when we went to Peru, she was saying that most of it is her and a lot of, a little bit is God. And the rest is just like free will, but only a little bit is free will. And the part that is free will is almost like intention. You know, you can have the best intention in the world, but when shit gets real, you are going to go back. Like the body is going to do what it's going to do. If you didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I've never, like, I've heard that before. And, and I wonder like if especially in events like in the world like am i is this this and this set to happen for me like is this written in stone am right. i just living it Parts. to learn that i i don't know but i know it's all all i have control over is my and awareness. it's almost like uh, am i here to live this experience to learn like whatever i've chosen my experiences to be in this life the fact that I'm experiencing it is something that is unique to this world. You know, experiencing on the other side from all of my meditation and the like everything that I've been listening to is that you, you are going with the flow. Like you are, I am, right? When you die, you become it. And there's nothing other than it. And whatever happens, you're just going for a ride and I am, right? Everybody talks about that. You are, I am. And here, yeah, you get to experience um, what is and what is not. And that's where you get the learning that you are awesome, that you are great. Because it's almost like 
right now where we're at in our life, it's almost like we've had so many lives prior to this one that showed us how freaking awesome we are. And the more that we're living, the more that we're going to get an awakening that's earlier in our life, earlier in our, like yours at 20 or 18 years old, that's sick. Ram Das talks about it, that the most enlightened being, they get born, they die right away. It's like the souls that just needed to do that last experience and be able to surrender at birth and be like, yeah, no, it's, I'm good. You know what I mean? There's nothing else that I want to experience. I've experienced it all. And I am convinced and a hundred percent guaranteed that I am love, that I am, you know, that I am period that I am. <laughs> and then it ends there. And that idea is really Hinduism talks about it. Um, have you heard about that? Well, yeah, I know that um, there's this quote I read. It said, like, before you identify your mind with an emotion, I am happy, I am this. Before all that comes, yeah. is saying, I am. And that exactly. is just, like, you. You exist. Period. Like, that is you. But, yeah, but before that, I wanted to, like, add, you were saying, like, how, like, I don't know, like, think like okay we are amazing and as a human race like i i realize with sort of like detaching and living this world like almost like a visitor on this planet that is inhabited by humans i look around and i and i have such an appreciation for like technology and like i'll go into a grocery store and i'll be like okay like humanity has has done this 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 and this in history to lead to this moment and this day so we can have this grocery store and like and like this type of technology and stuff like that it almost feels like you unlearn a hundred percent i know i know exactly what you're talking about that's when you get the downloads that's the paradox of memory or learning the more you unlearn the more you allow it to show you you know, and then you learn, yeah, you get the download. And more to that, mother was telling me lately, yeah. like, have you ever heard of the uh, Unabomber Manifesto? How he was, so there's this guy in the United States no, that's super intelligent that started to do a lot of bombings and he was killing uh, professors and people that were working on technology because he was saying that the machine of uh, the government, right? The big machine that is unstoppable technology uh, it's something that you can't stop anymore right it's going forward and there's it's ruining the world to a certain extent it's creating so much pollution and there's no way to stop it because it's all tied in with society money and you know the world goes round kind of philosophy so he started doing a lot of killings but yeah. everything that he uh, predicted in the past because that was in the 1990s like he started in the 70s and it lasted all the way to the 1990s and uh, they found him after a while but everything that he predicted is happening right the acidification of the ocean to um, just technology money and how we can't stop the machine like there's no way that you can stop progress uh, from from continuing you would uh, you know the entire world would go in a famine, right? You need the technology to be able to produce food and so on, like you, the grocery stores and everything like that. But as I've been pondering on the idea that life is perfect, and I'm trying to wrap my mind about it because she's telling me like life is perfect, even though suffering is happening, suffering has a reason. Suffering is there for you to teach, for learn. And don't worry about the planet. Everybody's already dead. And the idea that, you know, God has a plan. And for you to doubt his plan is just insanity. Like as if you, you're, you know, thinking that you're smarter than God or smarter than what is happening. And on top of that, she was telling me like technology is bringing an awareness that the awareness keeps going up and up and up. So you can imagine that one day when AI becomes fully aware, that type of awareness is going to be insanity. Imagine a computer that's able to hold inside of its frontal memory 
everything and be able to see it for what it is. Because what we see in our illusion is minuscule, like seriously. And like we, if we're concentrating on the television, there could be a monkey that walks, that walks right beside us and we wouldn't even notice it. Like we are so minimal when it comes to awareness. But yeah, she was telling me like the more that technology is going forward, the more that awareness is going up and it's the age of awakening and it's not something to be afraid of. No, be, you can't run away from suffering. So, you know, one day you will die of cancer or one day you will die from the machine. Maybe who knows, mm -hmm. man, it's not for you to, to worry about. The only thing you can do is continue to grow your awareness. And just like you, uh, it kind of, that's what it was showing me as like, you're becoming more and more aware, like the grocery store, little things. And that's an awareness that is growing inside of you that is so beautiful. And it's like kind of purpose, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you talk to a, a higher yeah. being lately? Like, is that something that you started as a practice? Uh, not really, but like before a meditation, I do do that, like, I kind of like say out loud my intention. I do like try my best because I don't have a specific relationship with a, a higher power in a religion sense. So like, I, I, I do believe in like a higher power. Like I said, like before I meditation, like I'll, I'll say it, like I want, I want this, I want this to be um, a moment of full presence and full consciousness and stuff like that. And I, I say that with full surrender to whatever it is that is higher than me yeah. and that guides it me. Doesn't have to it doesn't have to be Hinduism. But, it could be just a trust of life, you know, like the fact that. And and as well, I feel like it also applies. Like mm -hmm. if you'd be an atheist, it applies. Let's say you have a full trust that your body is here, you know, in this one life and you're here to achieve as much as possible. That trust in your body is kind of a trust into a higher power, like the atheist way. There's nothing wrong with that. Like if you go full on trust that this body, like I need this body to perform at its peak. So I'm going to give it the best vitamins, the best food, the best workout, the best um, sleep so that I can accomplish everything you know in this one life that's a trust that takes a lot of freaking courage and a lot of like it's trusting your body and your body can be that higher power can be something greater than you you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah no the atheist thing you said there is very like true like you yes. could just simply believe in the force of life that lives in trees and plants and bugs and mammals and humans. And then you get that same into that. reward. You know, that same. The only reason why I'm so attached to a mother is that uh, mm -hmm. when I went to Peru, that's kind of like what led to my awakening. And mother, my internal, because it's so quiet inside, it's just like, in, it's a, uh, it feels good. Like it just feels freaking good. It, but really, I'm talking to myself the same as you. Like, I'm putting my intention forward. But the beauty of it is that the more I've been practicing into setting my intention, you know, outside of myself and trusting that a higher power, I allow my inner monologue to speak up because it's been so quiet for so long that there is a trust there. As if I didn't trust, like, uh, because I knew that it was an illusion, it just went quiet as if uh, it didn't matter anymore. But the paradox is the more that I grow in my spirituality, the more that I get to bring in the insanity, not the insanity, I don't know how to explain it, but like if I, when I hear something now in my, in my inner monologue, it's because I trust in this higher power and I allow it to speak up with a, a truth. Like there's a truth about it that is undeniable. I'm not confused. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no... I don't know if I can explain it properly, but it, it really feels mm. like the Eckhart Tolle, because I've read up a little bit on him too, is when he separated, like it, it was just in a state of bliss. Like there was no more noise. It was quiet. I don't know. Do you... It's 
more like your your natural yeah. state. Like it's more like instinct. You just and that's know where the great downloads and the do great knowledge you're talking about. Like it's just it comes from nowhere, and you just know that's a truth. And there's no way for you to explain it or to even put it on paper. It's just ineffable. There's a truth about it, and you just you know it. And then you get to have beautiful conversation, and and the that's why I enjoy saying like I'm dumb as a post because seriously, it was my journey in life to. I mean, even in high school, I would take a test, and right after the test, I'd forget like like everything. I didn't want to. It's as if I didn't have any purpose for it. And life is like that. There's nothing that uh, that for me, anyways, right now, that school taught me because I realized at one point that as soon as you start working somewhere, they teach you everything anyways. And it's just repetition and you teach the monkey what to do. And it's, it's just repetition. There's nothing like knowledge comes from source. Even like when you're reading Eckhart Tolle, I've got a feeling that the reason why you're remembering what you're reading is because you're kind of connecting with the energy and the frequency that Eckhart Tolle connected when he went through his transition. And it's that same energy that he experienced. And it's not like he's the one that brought the knowledge to earth. Like that knowledge always existed. It's just, you went on that frequency and you're riding the wave. And then you get to identify like, yeah, what he says makes sense. And then you bring it in your own, you know, awareness. And then when you talk to somebody else, you say, oh yeah, it's from this book or it's from this guy. But really it's from the source. They call it the, uh, Oh man, the equation. Uh, I don't know, but anyways, uh, I I know like it's like yeah. ideas already exist. Like the form, for example, an invention, yeah. the form of the wheel, like the, a wheel, like for a wheelbarrow or a car. It's always existed. It's just it needed to be brought into awareness and into yeah. And the more passionate you are about a, an issue, the more enjoyment the more energy you bring to the table the more the download the greater the download the greater the knowledge and it really comes with like enthusiasm enthusiasm is so freaking important in life i don't know about you but when you get enthusiastic about something it's so easy to learn anything anything it just comes in like butter so easy so Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, there needs to be a, a pure intention so what, behind it. What the, about enthusiasm? Definitely. What are you enthusiastic about lately? Because now that you've got all of this craziness going on in your world when it comes to awareness, spirituality, like, what's the next step? Well, like, having gone through, I'm sure you can relate to this. Um, like after like a while of doing like psychedelics and smoking, you do get hit that plateau of just like life isn't real and uh, society and money and this and that is all like man-made and it is meant to keep you in the system forever. And like I went through a crisis, like I was like, like what? Like I don't want to live like this. I I can't. But now I've I've broken out of that. Like I work and and. I was re-enrolled into a program like that I actually want to yeah. so for um for the fall of this year. So I'm more I'm just excited to like be my own adult and just go about the human experience. I'm gonna look at it like that. So before it was like, oh, you work a nine to five, you're a slave. Like what? Like that's not the point of life. The point of being a human is not that. But now it's just like, well, it's okay this is what the human experience like is like i went through that a hundred percent i'm gonna have to it's almost like spirituality shows you like a uh a garden of eden as if like hey this could be so perfect if everybody would just smoke or everybody would just like if you go through that realize after a while exactly not not the point the point is that suffering life the uniqueness of like you going to school and having this struggle of like, is that really what I want? And is that, that's what matters, not the Garden of Eden bullshit. Like there's no way that everybody would be happy all at the same time. There's always half of the population will want one thing and the other half will want another thing. And then you're just, you know, 
then half gets one thing and then the other half's pissed off or, and that's life. But what's been bringing me like to, to this understanding and what's like really important, like you say, it's like the human experience, enthusiasm, and the idea of the connection of every time that I meet a new soul now, it'd be a stranger or you or anybody. I get so excited at the idea that I'm going to be connected to that soul when I die, good or bad, even my enemies. Like I'm going to be happy to see them on the other side and say like, you played a part in my life. Like you made me go so dark, but without that darkness, I wouldn't have learned this and this and that. I wouldn't have had my kids maybe like, just I'm starting to realize like how awesome it is to to live the human experience and to do things with an enthusiasm and like bringing effort to your life in the daily even if I would lose an arm you know like what would I like to go into the darkness and Mm -hmm. to come out of it you know sooner rather than later obviously it's better but maybe maybe not you know but it leads you to a knowledge to a you know, something at the end, there's always a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, you know, no matter how much the rainbow is just an illusion, there is a pot of gold in the end, you know? Yeah. And most importantly, yes. is to and be present, yeah, be and, present and like be aware that, yeah, like the observer, like you're seeing it from a spiritual point of view to a certain extent. This, yeah, yeah, and it's just like at at this point of history on this planet, this is where we're at. We live in societies, in communities, in in cities, in provinces. Like this, this is what it is. And yeah, to go against it, I'm glad you're going with the flow, man. I really am. Because even in my life, like I was uh, thinking about that the other day. It's like, oh, if I could just have financial freedom, if I could just win the lotto, like how much better my life would be and as soon as i think these type of thoughts i get the sensation of going backwards like no 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 you're not understanding what's going on here like this is your life it's freaking beautiful the experiences that you're going through would be your depression your suffering the people that you've met because of that is absolutely insane and to go against the grain of what is just man just go you got this you know it's uh it's it's illuminating it's really eye-opening and it's very sad at the same time like it's very uh in your face you know reality <laughs> it's oh man mm-hmm. do you have yeah. any uh any other thing you wanted to share with uh with me i know i'm gonna be seeing you soon but like this is crazy this conversation is so beautiful by the way that was yeah that was the majority of what i had like that has been that has been uh <laughs> tell me me on the uh, fourth dimension lately the fourth dimension the awareness that, that, basically that's, that's what I you're stand. talking about <laughs> i love it yeah i saw this i saw this quote i want to share it with you it's like our 3d self casts a um Right. A 2D shadow, right? Our shadow when we walk outside in the sun, right? That makes me think that our third dimensional self or human exactly. body is just the reflection of our fourth dimensional self. As if your soul non- is creating, <laughs> you know, like you are the, your, the awareness of your soul is what is creating the entire reality. And as we're going forward, when I meet other soul and we get like two realities merging into one and, and the entire you know, uh, reality, it's like the planet, you know, or the universe or, yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And people, uh, mm-hmm. the source, whatever they talk about that, about that's, we are the projection of a hundred percent. And then that would mean that like, uh, God or Allah or that, that love is the fifth dimension. And then whatever is the sixth dimension. Cause I don't think that's the end. Like, I don't think that God is the ultimate thing what has been uh, what i've been meditating on lately and what i've been shown is that this life like this reality is based out of love but there is other reality outside of 
this love reality that maybe is based out of fear or based out of chaos or based like a, a feeling. Um, yeah, like you can imagine, right? A world that would be uh, courage-based or fear-based or shame-based. Uh, but this world, love, is is something else. Like it's, uh, you know, imagine if God had a father, you know, what would that be? And if I will, you know, but I've been uh, thinking about that. Yeah. Anyways, my friend, I was super glad. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast, man. I'm so glad that you were my first guest. Are you still there, brother? All right. Well, it's perfect timing then. Thank you for joining us, Monkey and Frank for Life. I love you all with all my heart. And uh, I'll see you again later.